0: All right, let's get started. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. Uh, we're beginning a new series looking at the, the Bible, bibliologies. just a study of the Bible. Uh, it, we're titling this series God's Perfect Word. God's Perfect Word. It is indeed perfect. Uh, we're going to be looking through this series. Um, At a series of topics related to the scriptures, Uh, today we're going to be looking at revelation. What revelation is, and how has God, uh, or how do we observe or uh, experience, as it were, revelation? Is it an experience, or is it something that is objective? Something given to us? Uh, We're going to be looking in the weeks ahead at inspiration what inspiration is, uh, where it says in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God. What does that mean, uh, and, and how did that actually happen? How did Functionally, how did we actually get God's Word on pages? So it should be a great time looking at that. We're going to look at also the authority of Scripture, the clarity and truthfulness of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, of course. Uh, Christ-centeredness of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, and some other topics. Uh, going through the history of how the the words in front of you came to come here in this form uh, through the years of church history. Uh, but this morning we're going to be looking at Revelation. And just so that you know, uh, this is something that is uh, expected of if you're teaching in any way, shape, or form. In this church, in Redeemer Bible Church, uh, it, you ought to be striving to stay sharp as a tool or instrument of God. And these times in equipping hour are essential for you to stay sharp, to stay informed. Uh, I, I look back at my years growing up, back at Community Bible Church of Vallejo, and the Lord has He instilled me by His grace with this commitment to going to our Sunday school hour, uh, through those years, uh, as a young man, just tagging along with my parents, and then as a and then as as a young married man, my wife and I, we came week after week, and then when the call came to uh, pursue ministry and to actually enter into seminary, I was stunned by how much of that stuff I already knew, how much uh, seminary truth, quote unquote, seminary doctrine. I already knew quite well from these hours like this. So what you're getting is seminary. The intent is for you to get seminary Bible college level instruction uh, that will push you. But also not just that is super heady and unattainable, but also very practical, very simple truth as well. Um, so we're going to get everything from very simple truth. If you're just starting off in your faith or growing in your faith and your understanding of doctrine, you're going to get that here. But if, you are, if you've been a, a believer for a while and, and uh, want to be used in greater ways, that's where this is going to happen. God's going to equip you and give you everything that you need for a lifetime of ministry. Especially this year, in 2021, we're going to be looking at God's Word in this series, Bibliology, but then we're going to transition to hermeneutics, the study of God's Word. The study of God's Word. So we have to start here, what God's Word is, and then we can rightly understand how do we handle it, right? Uh, And that's the intent, is for you to go, especially this year, go faithfully every week this year and get trained to know what the Bible is, and then to know how do I handle it in my own life? How do I read it and get something out of it every morning? Uh, and how do I uh, use a verse as an encouragement to a brother or a sister in the Lord that I just come across on a Sunday? Uh, to How do I teach this passage from the Old Testament to the children in the children's ministry? Uh, to any other ministry? How do I use uh, gospel passages to evangelize the laws? This is so critical for us as a Bible-believing church. We believe in the authority, the inerrancy of Scripture. We believe that this is God's Word. and God can't do anything apart from the operation and function through His Word. That's how He works in the world. So if we are not good at handling it, or if I'm the only one, or the elders are the only ones that can handle God's Word, we're not going to grow spiritually or in numbers or in any way. We need all of us to be well-equipped instruments uh, in, in God's arsenal to make an impact for Him. Let me pray as we begin this time. Heavenly Father, We come to you, Lord, and we ask that you would enable us, Lord, to understand your truth, Lord. Your word is truth. It is where we find truth. It's where we find you, Lord Jesus. And so I pray, Lord, that this morning we would not just learn uh, information, data, but, Lord, that we would also uh, come to grips with the fact that you've revealed yourself to us Lord, help us to examine how we handle your word in our own lives. Uh, Do we prize it or not? Do these things, Lord. Uh, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So why is the Bible important in your life? Why? Why is it so important to read the Bible? I, along with thousands and thousands of other Christians this year, have begun another Bible reading plan? Why is that important to do? Why is the systematic reading or the regular reading of these words in this book so important? What makes the Bible more unique than any other book? Why why can't I read a good Sherlock Holmes novel or Shakespeare or something written by... Some, some current author today. Why can't I do that and better myself? Why do I have to go to this book for life? Well, I believe that we will see this morning that this book is critical and supreme and unique above any other book in all of history because it reveals God. It reveals God. That's point one in your notes. Point one in your notes. God reveals himself. God reveals himself. This is what revelation is. So in a working definition of revelation, you have it there. And there, I think there's a fill in the blank. Revelation is God making himself known. Revelation is God making himself known. Are we missing some copies back there? I think my... Babe, can you do me a favor and just run some copies of that? Maybe five or ten more. Thank you, hon. First of all, revelation is God making himself known. That's what revelation is. When we talk about uh, scripture, we need to first step back and and think about this topic of revelation. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning is get an overview of what revelation is. We're going to see how God has revealed himself in some other ways that aren't the scripture. But then we're going to end up in the Bible and how it is God's perfect revelation. All right, so that's the roadmap for this morning. Revelation is just God making himself known. That's what, you can hear it in the word, reveal, reveal. God revealing himself. Now, man needs this revelation because by himself, man searches for God, but they search wrongly. You see, men, as it were, grope for God, reach for God in the darkness But as long as their minds and their eyes and the world in which we live in is completely dark, they will never reach Him. In fact, we're going to see this morning that it is impossible for mankind to reach God, to discover God on their own without Him revealing Himself to us. We need God to reveal Himself. Otherwise, we can never know Him. Revelation is is not. What revelation is not, I believe you have in your notes, what revelation is not. It is not man finding information about God. It is not man finding information about God. That's not revelation. It is not man finding God. It's not man discovering God through his own activity, is what we're saying. That's not revelation. It's not our insights into spiritual things. It's not intuition, good feelings, or impressions of anybody. There's this this assumption that there are people that are spiritual, and usually those spiritual people are the ones that are movie stars or music artists or something like that. For some reason, these people we see as spiritual, that they have greater insight, stronger impressions, uh, more reliable intuitions into things that are spiritual than anybody else. But the reality is that all mankind is dark in their understanding. That's not revelation. A fuzzy feeling isn't revelation. What, What is revelation? What revelation is, it is God revealing himself. God revealing Himself. It, it is divine activity. That's what we're talking about. God doing something. It, it, therefore, it is a result of God's initiative. Revelation is God getting, the, getting things started, as it were. It is God taking the first step. And so therefore, it is this extraordinary Divine intervention of God into the world. That's Revelation. God in, in Revelation, God is always the agent, the object, and the subject. He is always the agent, the object, and the subject of Revelation. He, he reveals his own mind. He reveals his own will. That's revelation. Revelation is when God discloses or reveals objective, propositional truth. I know that's a lot of long words in a row. But this is, remember, some stuff on the, on the bottom shelf, some, some stuff in the middle shelf, some stuff on the top shelf. Right? We're not all going to get everything, but I have to give everything to all. So, Revelation is when God discloses objective, propositional truth. What's the opposite of that? Subjective truth. So, there's objective, where things just are. Right? Uh, It is January 10th. That's an objective truth. Whether you feel like it being January 10th or whether you're ready for it to be January 10th, 2021, uh, it has no uh, impact on the reality that it is today, January 10th, 2021. That's objective truth. Subjective truth is your feelings, how you feel about something. So revelation is when God discloses objective propositional truth about his person, his work, which would otherwise be unknown and unknowable. Just one verse for us to look at in regards to Revelation. Um, comes from 1 Corinthians 2. I'm going to read the larger passage for us, and then we're going to look at some details. 1 Corinthians 2, I'm going to read verse 6 through 12 so we get the big picture, and then we're going to look at just a couple verses here, or a few verses. 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 6, it says that we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which has not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us... God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God. No one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom but in those taught by the spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words now what is he saying in this passage what he's saying essentially is that had god not revealed himself revealed true wisdom revealed truth to us we wouldn't have never known it in fact In verse 8, it says, this wisdom of God is something that none of the rulers of this age has understood. Because if they understood it, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. If God's word was, if knowing about God and if knowing truth was, was so easy and so attainable for mankind. If we're just missing a few pieces of the puzzle, then why would they have crucified the Lord of glory? he says. It doesn't make sense. We are dark. And even with Jesus standing right in front of us, if God does not give us eyes to see, we don't see the truth. We don't appreciate the truth and the revelation of God. So, verse 10, to us, God revealed these things through the Spirit. That's how God revealed it. Revelation is God revealing. See there? He says, because the Spirit, why the Spirit? Why does the Spirit have to be the revealing agent in Revelation? Well, it's because the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. That's why. Verse 11, think about yourself. Nobody knows your thoughts except your spirit, right? I can tell you all sorts of stories. I can tell you how things are going in my life, but I can only. But what you know about me is only what I choose to reveal to you, right? That's why lies and deception are so evil, is because I am not revealing. I'm not being honest of, my, of myself to you. He transfers that reality and says, "That's." If if that's true of you that's true of god because you're made in god's image if you want to know who god is and what he thinks he has to reveal that to you his spirit the holy spirit must take the act the initiative and reveal himself to you you cannot find him out that's exactly what he gets to in verse 12 we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from god why Why did the apostles receive the Spirit of God? So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. And so it is for all Christians. With the apostles, it was the initial revelation of God. But for us, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit gives us eyes to see what He revealed in the pages of Scripture it is you are given the Holy Spirit so that you may know the things that God has given you. God wants you to know Him. And that is the first point this morning, that revelation is God revealing Himself to you. That's what it is. We need to appreciate this Reality that God reveals himself. It is a person. It's not just information. It's, he's not revealing how to balance your checkbook. He's not revealing uh, how, to things, how to make things better in your life. He's not revealing uh, scientific um, formulas for us to advance as a society. He is revealing himself, God Almighty, showing us him we need to prize that we need to hold revelation in the highest esteem because it is there in revelation that we meet our God the one true God okay now how then if revelation is so important and so special how does God reveal point two in your notes there's general revelation General revelation. And we're going to turn to Romans chapter 1 for this. This is a key passage when we talk about general revelation. General revelation is accessible to all. Right? I mean, you hear that in the word. General. When we hear the word general revelation, it, it just communicates that It's generally uh, experienced by all mankind. Did you know that? That God actually, in certain ways, reveals himself to everybody. Uh, This doctrine of general revelation is also called, in doctrinal theological books, writings, it's also called natural revelation. So general revelation is natural revelation. So natural revelation is emphasizing that there are specific truths about God that are revealed through nature. You can just walk outside and learn something about God. You can take your children, or if you're evangelizing somebody, you just have to step outside the door and look around and have a testimony of God. That God is true, God is real. Now, what does natural revelation, what does general revelation reveal? What does it reveal? Well, let's look at this passage. Romans 1, 18-20 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So what does general or natural revelation reveal about God? What are some things about God that are described here, specifically um, in this verse, verse 20? What do we learn about God? Eternal power. That God is is this, uh, there is this power that is outside of time, outside of the world. There is something greater than the mountaintops of Yosemite. There is this greater power. Okay, what else? Yes, his divine nature. That there is something, somebody that is not like us. Right, Something higher than us as humanity. There is something greater than human nature. That is divine nature. These things are revealed through the natural creation of the world. Now what what man does is instead of looking at nature and then looking outside of it for uh, eternal power... And for something greater than themselves, they keep their eyes fixed on the creation and see their fulfillment. They see the something greater than themselves in the nature. That's, that's why um, we have to be very careful when we think about you know, uh, preserving nature and... Uh, being eco-conscious or however you, however you want to communicate it. We have to be careful that we are not falling into the thinking of nature, creation itself is something to be prized. And it, it, that is what we are trying to uphold because that is the greater thing than us. No. We preserve it because we're stewards, and but we don't worship it. Because, but rather we worship the God who created it. So natural or general revelation reveals the existence of a divine being who possesses a divine nature. He is entirely other, holy, divine. He is distinct from and unlike the rest of creation. He is a being supremely worthy of worship to whom man is accountable. That's what nature reveals. It reveals self-evident truth about the being of God, that is clearly seen, it says. Look what it says in verse 19. That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. The reality and the truth of God is evident to every single human being that ever lived. So there is is no such thing as a true atheist. That quote-unquote atheist is suppressing what he knows and has convinced himself of the lie that there is no God. There is nobody who actually truly believes in their heart of hearts that there is no God. They have fooled themselves. Their dark and deceitful hearts has has conned them into believing the lie that God is not real. Instead, God reveals himself in nature. His omnipotence is seen in his ability to bring all things that exist into being. His, his eternality is evident because he existed before creation. His eternality. In Acts 14, 17 it says he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good, and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. This is uh, the apostle uh, giving the gospel. He's int- he's he's beginning to introduce God and the gospel to this pagan these pagan people who are worshiping them. Uh, worshiping the apostles as Zeus and as these false gods. He says, no, 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 there is one true God. Let me tell you about him. First of all, you know him already because he's given you rains from heaven. He's given you fruitful seasons. He satisfied your hearts with food and gladness. All the good stuff that you enjoy, that came from somebody, came from a person. And so we can see from just nature the fact that there are seasons And there is food to enjoy. And that food tastes good. Amen? Amen. (laughs) The fact that it does, that everything doesn't taste like cardboard, shows what about God? That He is a good God. That He is inherently good. Inherently kind. Psalm 19.1 tells us about general or natural revelation that the heavens are telling the glory of God. Their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Just look up in the the sky, in the daytime or in the nighttime, and what are the stars telling you? They're not telling you astrology, right? They're not telling you uh, what kind of character you have based on the month that you were born. That's pagan rubbish okay that's not what the stars are telling you the stars are telling you the glory of god it's not about you their expanse is declaring the works of his hands it's pointing to somebody else there's a great god god reveals himself in his creative wisdom his versatility in all of nature Well, one thing that natural or general general revelation does not reveal is the gospel. It does not reveal redemption. There is no redemptive revelation in any of these verses. Did you notice that? Romans 1, Acts 14, Psalm 19, and all the other verses that talk about the glory of God seen in creation, none of them talk about a Messiah, a Jesus, a a, a salvation, deliverance, none of them talk about those truths. It only gets you so far. So why natural revelation? Why general revelation? What does it accomplish? What natural revelation accomplishes, first of all, is condemnation. We're back here in Romans 1. We looked at all this, right? Creation, right? And what we, what we learn about God, His eternal power, His divine nature. We know that it's clearly seen in, in creation. It's what's been made. What is made is creation. Why? It's so important as you're studying Scripture to look at the so that's of the Bible. Why? This answers the question. Why? Why natural revelation? So that mankind is without excuse. That's why. That's why God created the world the way he created the world. So that there would be a testimony of him. And so that people would come to him. And if they don't come to him, they're without excuse. They can't say, well, I didn't know that there wasn't a God. I didn't know that. How could I have known that? Well, you could have looked outside at the great things that God made and you would have searched for him you'd have looked for somebody outside of yourself to worship and to serve natural revelation condemns mankind one more thing that it does I don't have the rest of these are they in there oh yeah okay there they are it's just a glitch um it hardens men natural revelation hardens men you see the wrath of god is revealed from heaven in verse 18 romans 1:18 against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness so look what they look what they do to what is revealed what natural man does to the revelation of god is suppress it. They receive it. They they receive it and then refuse it. They turn it away. Verse 21. They rationalize it away. Even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and and their foolish heart was darkened. You see, there was reasoning, there was speculation, there was a thought process. But they reasoned and thought away God. That's why it says that they became futile in their speculation. Oh, there's plenty of speculation in the world, isn't there? There's a theory of, of all kinds of stuff. There's a theory of, of evolution. That is a futile speculation. That is a futile theory What do you get when a sinful humanity tries to explain things without God? You get the idiocy of the theory of evolution. That I would argue takes greater faith to believe than the truth of revealed scripture. Because none of it makes sense. If you really study it, it doesn't make sense. It does not compute but that's a whole another topic verse 23 what does simple man do with the revelation of God in natural revelation they exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures verse 25 they exchange the truth of God Look at that wording again, exchange the truth of God for a lie. And they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So what do they do with the God who reveals himself? In natural revelation, in general revelation, they trade him for something else. They trade him for what he has made instead of worshiping the maker. Lastly, just as they did not see in verse 28, they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind, to those things which are not proper. They refused to acknowledge God. This is what natural revelation does. So it reveals wonderful things about God. But only to a point where we become accountable to him. And if God does not step in and give us eyes to see Him, then we will continue in our sin and end up here in Romans 1, where we worship things rather than Creator. And we end up condemned without excuse, it says. So, it's not enough for God just to create things and to have beautiful butterflies and flowers, so that we can learn about Him and appreciate Him. That's not enough. God has to step in with special revelation. That's the last point this morning, special revelation. Any questions at this point before I go on to the last point? I think under general revelation, I have underlined the revelation of God through creation. That would be how you fill that in. I think I have. All right, so special revelation. What is that? Special revelation is the objective self-revelation of God to man. Let me write that out for you. That's what you should be writing down in that blank spot, I believe, on your notes. Special revelation is the objective self-revelation of God to man. Why does this have to happen? Why does God have to reveal himself to us? Ephesians 4.18 says here, Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. This is why God has to act first. This is why God has to reveal Himself. Now, the, the, the wording of revealing has this visual picture to it, doesn't it? Notice, in contrast to God revealing Himself, Him uh, Manifesting himself so that we can see him in our sinful state. and Notice what we see apart from God. We see darkness, right? Because of that darkness, we are ignorant. And that ignorance comes from not just a lack of knowledge, but a hard heart. The fact that people refuse the gospel, refuse God... It's not just because they haven't been taught Genesis 1-1. It's because they're hard of heart. Their nature is sinfully depraved. God has not changed them. So why special revelation? Why does God have to step in and reveal himself? Well, first of all, because man is alienated from God with a heart that is continually darkened. This is in an ongoing state. Of darkness, mankind lives in the dark. It's what we mean when we talk about it's a dark world. Mankind lives in this in this um, quasi reality that is void of God, and that is a dark, dark place. Why else? Does God have to reveal himself? Well, 1 Corinthians 2:14 says that natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Now notice the the, the structure of this. He's describing natural man Apart from God revealing himself to us. Apart from God changing somebody's heart and giving them spiritual eyes to see. How is natural man described? Well, one, they don't accept. They don't accept revelation from God. And two, they cannot understand them. So they will not and they cannot Accept the truth of God. Mankind does not receive that, that is welcome. That's what it means to accept. They don't welcome the things of the Spirit of God. It's not it doesn't find a home there. Why? Because it, they, they reject the Bible as just foolishness. It's silly. Right? So that's that's uh, that speaks about their, their heart and their attitude towards God. But not only that, they're completely incapable. Even if we could woo somebody into church with uh, us being nice and having fancy things and having a, a fancy speaker or, or whatever might attract the loss, even if we can get them in and get them to like being around us. They are completely incapable of understanding anything that happens here. They cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are spiritually appraised. The, the, thing, the, the things of the Spirit of God are spiritually appraised. Uh, the, the they and the them are the things of the Spirit of God. See that? So sinful mankind cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God because the things of the Spirit of God are spiritually appraised. In order to rightly appraise or value, appreciate the things that the Spirit of God reveals in the pages of Scripture, you have to be changed because because you, you can't understand them. You, these things are, are spiritual. And only the spiritual person, the spiritual man, spiritual woman can rightly appreciate spiritual things. God has to do the work. We're going we're to just rush through a few things here. The methods of special revelation. The methods of special revelation. Because we've got to get to scripture, Right? So, I'm going to read this, uh, and here's one method of how God steps into creation, steps into our world, and reveals Himself. There are uh, eight ways that God reveals Himself, one of those being Scripture, and we're going to get there. But the first way that God reveals Himself is by audible voice, 1 Samuel 3. 3 to 10 says that the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. Samuel said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Did you call me in the middle of the night? I thought it was you calling me. But Eli said, I did not call lie down again so he went away and he laid down the Lord called yet again Samuel so Samuel arose and went back to Eli and said here I am for you called me why are you waking me up again but Eli answered I did not call my son Lie down again Samuel did not yet know the Lord you see nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him so the Lord called Samuel again for the third time And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli discerned that the Lord had been calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, then then say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at the other times. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded and said, Speak, for your servant is listening is listening. It was an audible voice, you see, because we know it's an audible voice, not some internal thing, because it is something that he heard and mistook it for Eli's voice. This is how God used to speak in the Old Testament, just audibly. As I am speaking to you and you can hear the voice and the sounds of the words that are coming out of my mouth, you the Old Testament saints, especially, namely the prophets, would hear God's voice. Also, direct writing. This is fascinating. Not necessarily the writings of Scripture, but direct writing. Exodus 32, 15 and 16. Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets which were written on both sides. They were written on one side and the other. The tablets were God's work. And the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. I wonder what that penmanship looked like, right? That doesn't matter because it is not revealed, right? It doesn't do us any good. It's just a nerdy question. But this is how God revealed himself. Uh, in, in, In these tablets, in these writings, it was the Ten Commandments. God revealed himself, and I find it stunning that a list of commands is the self-revelation of God. So in the commands, we see the character and the nature of God himself, what he values, what he prizes, what's important to him. Interesting, isn't it? That's helpful for you as you read through the Old Testament and get into all those laws, what you're reading is God revealing himself and his character. Let's move on. So there's audible voice, direct writing. There's, there's visions, visions. Numbers 12, 6. He said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Isaiah 1, 1, we see an example. Isaiah 1, 1 is the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So there are visions given. This is the primary method in the Old Testament of Revelation, especially with the prophets. It's the primary method that God revealed himself through the prophets, is through these visions. Now it's important that in these visions, they weren't visions that were then interpreted, and the interpretation is the revelation. No. The, the, The vision itself and then the communication also The communication and and relaying of what was seen is also the revelation. In Deuteronomy 18.18 it says, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. See, this is what the prophets would do with the visions They would communicate it, and as they communicated, God was putting his words in their mouth so that the communication of the vision itself also is revelation. Now, this is different from dreams. Dreams is another way that God reveals himself. Daniel 2.1 says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. He couldn't sleep. Then it says later on in Daniel 2.36, this was a dream. Now we will tell its interpretation for the king. These dreams are the revelation. The dreams themselves were perfect from God. But the interpretation isn't, wasn't necessarily perfect. right? Because there was other interpretations that were given. Uh, think of... Um, Pharaoh and his dreams. There were other interpretations that were given that are not revelation. They are not truth. So these dreams are more subjective in that the interpretation can be right or wrong. But the dream itself was from God himself. And it is a method of God's revelation in the Old Testament. A a few more. Theophanies. I'll, I'll write that down for you. Theophanies, this is the embodiment of God, the, 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 where God actually physically takes on human form. Theophany, we see one here, a sweet one that uh, I, I just read recently uh, in our Bible reading as we're going through the Bible in in this year. It says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring. This is uh, Hagar. After she was rejected by Sarai and mistreated. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said, said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants, so that they too that so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, Further, Behold, you are with child, and and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. A sweet, tender moment as this angel of the Lord ministers to this woman and we know it's God because he makes this covenant with her. He makes this promise that I will greatly multiply your descendants. Who's the I? It's the angel of the Lord. It's the angel of the Lord here. Yeah. There's tons of of other Theophanies. And all of these theophanies, I would argue, are Christophanies, right? So you can take theophany and you can write Christophany. Christophanies. A theophany is a Christophany, I would argue. Because nobody has seen God, the Father. Uh, Couple more. Uh, angelic messengers are also how God has revealed Himself. We know this from Matthew, right, where the angel uh, came and revealed him uh, and and became manifest to these people. Joseph here in this passage. But what does he do? He speaks on behalf of God, right? The, the, what's communicated by the angel is, are the words of God and what God is doing, what God wants them to do. So these angelic messengers are also another method of special revelation. Joseph and Mary would not have known what, was, what in the world was going on uh, had not God revealed that to them, right? They would have been trying to figure out, figure it out as they went along. But God graciously communicated to them not by writing on a wall, not by an audible voice, but through an angel, a messenger. Uh, One more. Christ himself. Christ himself. Hebrews 1, 2 through 3, or 1 through 3. This is what we've been looking at, right? God, after he spoke long ago to the to the uh, fathers in the prophets. right? That's all through the Old Testament. That's in, in many portions and in many ways. That's how God used to speak, he says. After he spoke through audible voice, direct writing, visions, dreams, theophanies, angelic messengers. After all of those things... After that, now it's a new era. In these last days, how has he spoken to us? No longer through visions and dreams and audible voice. He has spoken to us in his son. That's what makes Christ so precious, isn't it? Because God reveals himself in all of his nature, all of his beauty, all of his glory. He reveals himself in Jesus Christ. That's what makes Christ stunning. So when we see him, we see the face of God. Notice that Christ doesn't just bring the revelation to us. He is the revelation. Isn't that stunning? He doesn't just communicate what God wants to say to us. He is God. He is the revelation. He is God revealed in flesh. That is Jesus Christ. And the last and final method or mode of special revelation is Scripture. Scripture. Scripture is the ultimate revelation of God to man. Look how the psalmist describes the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. That needs to be our view of Scripture. Let me break it down to you you need to have a heart that that agrees with these statements that we can substitute all of these things the law of the lord the testimony of the lord with the bible right the bible is perfect restoring the soul the bible is sure making wise the simple the bible is right rejoicing the heart the bible is pure enlightening the eyes. The Bible is clean. It endures forever. The Bible is true and righteous altogether. And so, therefore, the Bible is more desirable to me than gold. Much fine gold. And it's sweet. Sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb. Something that's been pointed out to me that is so precious in this one verse. Notice is more desirable than gold and it's sweeter than honey. Gold has a fixed value. Right? That that is objective. There there it, it, gold is a precious metal and it in and of itself has value. That's when, God, when, when the psalmist describes the Bible, it says it has a greater value than gold. The Bible has this, this supreme value in my life. I, I prize it. I treasure it. But not only that, there is this subjective part of the Bible in that it is sweet, sweeter than honey. Honey isn't super expensive. It's not as expensive as gold. But there's something sweet and delightful about it. So not only do I value the Bible because of what it is, it is sweet. I delight in the Bible. Is that you, Christian? Do you prize it? And do you delight in it? That must be us. Scripture is is precious because it takes all of these other modes of revelation that we were looking at and it inscribes it into the pages of Scripture. It permanentizes all of those other revelations, you see? Those revelations happened and they are not happening anymore. And had they not been inscribed into the pages of Scripture, we wouldn't know about them. The visions and the dreams and the audible voices and those things. Not only this, but Scripture is more reliable than any experience. Scripture is all that we need to live for God. And Scripture reveals Christ himself. This is why the Bible is so precious to us. We're going to see these as we go on in the following weeks. That we can trust God's word more than anything else. That we can go to God's word for all of life. And we can find in God's word our precious Savior. We can find God here. He has revealed himself. So treasure this word this week, Christian. And and highly prize it. Give it a place in your life that is like that is greater than the place that you would give gold, and more precious a place than you would give even honey or your favorite food. Give it that place in your life. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us, Lord. Uh, Had you not revealed yourself to us, we would not have ever known you. We would have known just enough to be cast into eternal judgment. But Lord, you have revealed yourself as a forgiving and loving God as well. Through the person and work of Jesus Christ. We thank you for him. We thank you that he reveals all who you are, Father. Lord Jesus, we, we honor you. We look to you. In the pages of Scripture, we pray that we would prize you above all else as we read your word, as we hear your word taught and preached. Holy Spirit, would you help us to understand, to rightly appraise, to to give the right value to the scriptures that we hear and read. We need you to do that to us, to make it precious to us, to make it valuable to us. Would you do these things... Oh God. We will give you the praise and worship that's due you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed till 10:30.